0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: And I reached out to a couple of farmer friends and they said, absolutely, as soon as we get the opportunity, we're going to put in beans. Early planting of soybeans paid off for them.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Another Ag News Daily podcast here with Delaney Howell and Mike Pearson. Mike, how are you doing today?
2: I am doing fantastic. Earlier today, I had the chance to go out to the western suburbs of Chicago to tape a television show. Hopefully, our listeners are all tuning into this week in agribusiness. And today was a very exciting show because I got to work with not just Max Armstrong, who we'll be talking to later on in this program for today's interview, talking about what he has seen and heard throughout meeting season this spring. But also, Mr. Orion Samuelson, the godfather of all farm broadcasters, was on the studio today and uh, got to have a great chat with Orion. So I always enjoy that. So it was a really, really fantastic uh, way to spend the morning.
0: Awesome, Mike. Well, we'll watch for that episode this weekend.
2: Absolutely. Checking on RFD-TV and your local television stations. Delaney Howell, what have you been up to? What's new in the world of the Howlster?
0: Well, I just finished up taping the latest episode of the Spokesman Speaks podcast, which is a podcast put together by the Iowa Farm Bureau. I think this latest episode was, was really interesting, though, because they had a couple of really good guests, including Dr. Sarah Place, Dr. Gene Loney of the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance, and also Dr. Dan Wait, Loy. wait. Yes.
2: Step back. Okay. Um, Dr. Sarah Place, I love, big fan yes. of, of Dr. Place. I've heard her present at many, many cattle conventions. Her insights are new and unique. Listeners definitely check that out. And then, of course, I know Dr. Dan, big Dr. D, Dr. Dan Loy. <laughs> he served on the uh, Iowa uh, Cattlemen's uh, yep. Board with me. And then who was the middle guy? Was it Dr. G Money?
0: Dr. Jean Loney, and she works with oh, the U.S. Farmers Jean and Loney. Ranchers Alliance. Yeah, so this episode was focused on... And I think did a really good job of painting the picture of how ag is working to address the environmental footprint that we make up.
2: Fantastic. I was really hoping there was a Dr. G money out there. Like it would be the, <laughs> the, the PhD version Not of the Wu-Tang quite. Clan. I no. was really hoping that was a thing that existed.
0: No, no. But we're definitely going to have to have Dr. Jean Loney on the podcast sometime because she's done some really interesting work.
2: Excellent. Well, that sounds like something we should work into. Delaney... Because we do want our listeners to be sure to tune in to the Spokesman Speaks podcast, where should they go to do such a thing?
0: Oh, absolutely. They can find it in the same place that they're finding the Ag News Daily podcast if they're listening on their phone. Otherwise, you can head to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcasts.
2: Excelente. That is the good news, Delaney. Glad we uh, we hit that out of the park here to kind of start the uh, the podcast because we're going to have to talk markets a little yeah. bit.
0: We're also probably going to have to talk about the coronavirus, another topic I don't really care to talk about too much anymore.
2: Yeah, but we absolutely have to. Listeners, as I'm sure a lot of you are aware by now, last night President Trump gave a briefing from the Oval Office about the coronavirus and the U.S. response to it, and one of the prongs of the trump administration response is a 30-day travel ban on travelers from europe um the world health organization has also declared covid 19 the coronavirus a global pandemic those two factors combined well that and just kind of the, the general consensus of of fear in the markets combined today to give us another seven percent down day in the dow as we're recording right now the dow has not closed stocks are still trading for another 40 minutes The Dow is presently down 7.9%, trading at 21,693 points. The S&P is off 7.21%, trading at 2543.77 points. According to these stock indices, we are now in recession territory. And that is just another fear factor leading people to sell. Of course, it's not just happening in the world of equities. We're seeing this sell-off happen in the ag commodities as well. In fact, this is one of the larger sell-off days we've seen, which is saying a lot, given that we've seen sell-offs and then buybacks really this entire week. It has been whiplash, one thing, and then another. Look, I just looked at the meats for the first time since noon. Ugh. Bad news, everybody. I'm just going to rip this bandit off. We're a limit down across the board in all the meets, in all of the Mm -hmm. nearby classes. So, yuck, Delaney, do you have any any Uh, different news for us, any good news for us?
0: uh, No, I'm just going to keep with the bad news, so then maybe later on in the podcast we've got something a little bit better to talk about. I'm not sure, but...
2: Delaney, I've got more bad news.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, let me me continue the bad news. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson,
2: (laughs) both have coronavirus.
0: They're fine. They're in Australia. I know,
2: that's... I'm hopeful that once they recover, people will be like, oh, okay, all right, yeah. here we've got famous people right. who got it and recovered, yeah. and, you know, all right, we can all take a breath and, you know, exactly. go back to eating beef.
0: Right, What's exactly. What's your news, lady? Well, so this was interesting. Mike Steenhook, who works with the Soybean Transportation Coalition, put together some interesting numbers, just looking at kind of, I guess, how the coronavirus is affecting the soybean export and supply chain, and you know, how that's related to the U.S.-Chinese trade relationship. And so for the week of March 5th, looking at soybean export sales to China, we saw really only about two to three ocean vessels left the United States to head to China for soybean sales. But when, on the flip side of that, when you look at Congress, we're still seeing folks say, especially Secretary Perdue, that China is going to come to the buying table until today. We saw Senate Finance Chairman Chuck Grassley, who of course oversees the Trade Policy Committee, say that China may deserve some flexibility when it comes to fulfilling those promises made under the Phase 1 trade deal due to difficulties of dealing with the coronavirus.
2: Oh, interesting. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, the bad news is continuing.
0: Right. And that Congress seems a little more apt to let China out of their purchase agreement as of as of late, maybe.
2: Okay. All right. Well, you know, that's really disappointing, given the the moves we've seen for China to actually look like they are preparing to start buying American products.
0: Correct. Yeah.
2: Let's let them buy the stuff. Let's keep them scared a little bit. Right. Well, I do have some piece that could be slightly bullish. It's tough to see it in the markets today, but we do have drought going on in Argentina. Uh, Argentina has now seen 23 days of drought in their key growing regions uh, right there up around Rosario. And um, they're saying that this means that their soybean harvest is estimated to fall from 55 million metric tons down to 51.5 million metric tons. So this would be a uh, a little bit of a drop from the USDA's estimate. The USDA in March here just earlier, this on t- Tuesday of this week. Gosh, this week is so slow. I can't believe that was just on Tuesday. Um, the USDA pegged production at um, 54 million metric tons. So to have it brought down by two different um, estimators, both the Rosario Board of Trade and Boggy, the Buenos Aires grain exchange, as they say, um, both lowered their crops substantially. So this is one of those things that should be a little bit bullish, certainly supportive of beans. And you combine this with the fact that they are going to be seeing their export taxes hiked, might mean that we see fewer beans out of Argentina over this next year than we had initially anticipated, which means some of that business... A lot of it's going to go to Brazil, as their mm-hmm. crop is still pegged to be record large. Some of it might end up trickling up the coast into North America, which would be good news for our bean growers here in this country.
0: Yeah, but I don't know that that would be enough of anything, unless Brazil has weather issues, to be massive market movers.
2: Right. We're not going to be a huge market mover, but it's, you know, it's going to keep us above zero right. on the... Uh, uh, the, the soybean markets, which is always, always positive.
0: Absolutely. Well, shifting our attention, Mike, back to the United States, another piece of, I guess you could call it somewhat more positive news, is looking at plant-based terms, especially when it comes to dairy products. FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn says that he's got some concerns that consumers are being misled by dairy terms that are using you know, dairy terms for plant-based alternatives, such as soy juice or almond juice, as I will call them on the podcast. But... The
2: various nut juices.
0: Right. But he also said, and I didn't realize that this was a potential problem, he says there's a potential problem with First Amendment issues in restricting the use of those terms. And the FDA lawyers are working through some of those issues.
2: Well, and I think that's a very legitimate concern. Obviously, if we're going to be restricting what people can and cannot say, we've got to be prepared for the the argument that, well, we are restricting people's freedom of speech unless they're outright lying, which is the argument I know from the dairy mm-hmm. dairy folks that, hey, it's not milk. It is right. not milk. It does not come from a mammal. Therefore, it cannot and it, be milk.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have the same nutritional attributes that dairy products have.
2: Right. Right. So I I think this is going to set up, I'm sure there will be a court case before all of this gets really sorted out.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there will be.
2: Delaney, we do have good news. And this had kind of slipped through my cracks of awareness earlier today, but we did see South Korea step into the market today and wind up making a huge corn sale. South Korea bought 280,000 metric tons of corn. That is one of the largest uh, sales we have seen in quite some time. Net sales overall from uh, from USDA's export sales report came in at 1.47 million metric tons, with the trade expecting 1.2 million. So we were 200. And, I can't do that math, 247,000 metric tons over what the trade was anticipating, which on any other day would have been – fairly bullish number. Of course, today was dwarfed by the massive selling pressure that has been greeted by this COVID-19 global mm-hmm. pandemic news. But it is good news. We are starting to see this corn ship. Now, this corn hasn't shipped yet. These, This corn for delivery into South Korea, it was booked for July 10th, 20th, and 30th, as well as one cargo coming on September 15th. So all of an old crop helping get that crop off our shores so we can free up some bin space for this 2020 crop, Delaney.
0: Absolutely. And I'm excited that we're finally, at least my attention is turning to hashtag plant uh, 2020. And I did some recon, if you you can call it that on Twitter today, just asking folks, you know, what are you looking forward to in 2020? And what are you trying that's new on your operation? And I received an overwhelming amount of feedback from folks that said this year is the year they're really testing the waters, trying things very differently than what they've done in the past. So it seems like farmers are still keeping their heads up.
2: Perfect. That's what we like to hear. Absolutely. Well, Delaney, what other news should we be talking about? Oh, I do have one other piece of news here before I am ready to jump into the markets. And this was an update that came across the wires last night at about six p.m. And this is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange announced they are mm-hmm. going to close the pits on the trading floor, on the trading floor, and they are not announcing a reopening. Time. Uh, they said Terry Duffy who is the CEO of uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange said quote, "We decided after the news with not only the World Health Organization coming to their conclusion but also listening to some of the medical professionals about gatherings and obviously this is a gathering place he said referring to the floors that they have made the decision to close the trading floors on Friday at the close of trade that will be the last day of trading in the trading floors with no news as to whether or not those floors are going to reopen. Now, a lot of us in agriculture in particular are aware that the floor has been electronic now for quite some time. We haven't had trading on the Chicago Board of Trade floor for several years now, but the CME floor – still employs 54 people, and there are just about 1,100 people who access the floor every day, whether it's for media or for trading. Uh, Ted Seifert, one of our regular contributors, is over there quite a bit um, doing media events from the floor. All of that will be closed and stopped.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like they were looking for a way to just be done with the floor, and I feel like this is how they're going to do that.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, I think this is It's For them, it's a great test. They can close it. Oh, we've got these health issues. We need to close it. And then, you know, if two weeks go by and people are like, all right, man, I wish I'd had the floor for this trade and this Mm -hmm. trade and this trade. And CME goes, oh, yeah, we could have made some money on these complex trades that really needed the actions of people in the pit. I could see them reopening it. But you're right. Otherwise, I think it's just it's just gone.
0: Yeah, I think so.
2: Oh, gosh, now I'm sneezing. I hope I don't have the coronavirus. Oh,
0: man, if you do... Good thing we don't record in person.
2: Absolutely, Delaney. You are very lucky about that fact. But I tell you, I am all out of news. Do you have any other stories before we jump into these markets?
0: I don't think I do, but let's take a quick minute first to hear today's Hot Rod Farmer Minute.
3: Welcome to the Hot Rod a Minute. I am Ray Bohax from the Idle Chatter podcast heard on the Global Ag Network. Today's farm equipment allows for efficiencies that were unheard of even 10 years ago, but that complexity requires tools and surface equipment that most farm shops do not own and is usually quite costly. An additional concern being it is an investment that may only be used once a year. How can you limit your financial exposure and still have the equipment you need to properly service your machinery? Make a co-op purchase with a few like-minded friends. For example, a top-of-the-line AC recovery and charging station costs around $10,000. If you purchase it with three others, your investment is only $2,500. Agree on all the arrangements before the first dollar is invested and there is no downside. You all have the equipment or tools you need for one quarter of the cost. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Please visit FarmMachineryDigest.com for more helpful hints and technical articles.
2: All right, well, big thanks there to Ray from the Hot Rod Farmer. Okay, great day in the markets if you are a buyer of grains or cattle or of even dairy was caught in the crosshairs today. As we look at the corn market, the May contract was down eight and three quarter cents at 365 and three quarters. December new crop down five and a quarter closed at 371 and three quarters. Over in the soybean pit, the may contract down thirteen and three quarters to finish at eight fifty nine and a half November new crop down thirteen and three quarters as well, closing the day at eight seventy three even Chicago wheat was not spared the may contract down seven and a quarter at five oh five and a half December down six and a half finishing at five twenty five and a quarter. Looking over at livestock, as I mentioned, we were limit down across the board. Live cattle June, excuse me, April contract limit down today, $3 lower trading or finishing the day at 107.50. dollars The June, also $3 lower to close at $94.25. Feeder cattle, same story down the daily $4.50 trading limit. The April contract down $4.50 at $119.02.5. The May, down $4.50 closed at 12075. Lean hogs same story different verse, the April contract limit down $3 lower if it closed at 608750, the May $3 down closing at 6720. As a reminder to everybody, all of these contracts will be trading expanded limits tomorrow. That means 450 limits in live cattle, 450 limits in lean hogs and $6 limits in feeder cattle. Looking over at the dairy markets. The March contract unchanged on the day, really the most bullish market of the day, closing at 1632, and the April down 4 cents, finishing the day at 1579. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mr. Max Armstrong. Well, folks, for today's interview, I'm very excited to be talking with a man who is a mentor of mine. He's a mentor to a lot of us in the world of ag broadcasting. He's no no stranger to a lot of you listening. We're joined by Mr. Max Armstrong from This Week in Agribusiness. Max, how are you doing today? Mr. Pearson, a pleasure to be on with you, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I want to pick your brain today, Max, because we have a lot going on in the world of agriculture right now. It is March. We're coming to the end of education season. We're coming to the end of meeting season. You've been out and about working with growers really for the past six months. What have you been hearing? What are the main topics of conversation when you're out working with growers across the country? What's on people's minds right now?
1: Well, obviously, for many, it was still trying to get over that 2019 harvest. And there was a grower reached out to me this week. He was up along that uh, North Dakota, South Dakota line. He was just getting back into the corn that he had left in the field at Thanksgiving. And his surprise was a very pleasant one. You know, he he didn't have the ruts out there. I guess his his soil had firmed up enough. The stalks were still standing. The ears were still clinging. The moisture level had come down. The test weight had gone up. And he said, you know, this was a great way to store this crop in my particular instance this year. He, I think he was pleasantly surprised that he still had the standability in his field that he
2: had. That's incredible. And, you know, that's a testament to the genetics we've got in today's corn Um, to have the ability to stand through this tough fall, this tough winter with the high winds, especially they've seen up there in that part of the world and still be able to get out and and harvest a decent crop. I had a conversation with a grower, very different story in central Illinois was still sitting on about 650 acres. that had to come out of the field. He said, I said, so you still got a lot of corn standing and he goes, well, not a lot of it's standing anymore. It's just been blown over. He hadn't had that kind of luck with his corn genetics. So it's, It's been a struggle for so many guys. So what you're hearing, guys are still trying to get it out. A lot of folks think they're probably going to, come hell or high water, get something out of those fields. What comes next, Max? Are they fired up about this next planting season? I think many are.
1: And and I was profoundly impressed, as I'm sure you were at Commodity Classic, listening to some of the growers. That meeting now, I think, with its setting on the calendar, is performing uh, more of an important function than you might think. It's not just a trade show where people come in and look at equipment. It's not just uh, awards programs for the seed companies. It's not just uh, educational seminars. In this case, I think it was somewhat of a spirit lifter. After that nasty harvest of 2019, folks came together. They were able to, to enjoy dinner together, a few beverages together, uh, renew old acquaintances, some of the past presidents, of the Soybean Association, a bunch of them were there, and they were reliving the wars of the past, you know, that they fought on Capitol Hill. Uh, there was a lot of camaraderie and friendship that you saw, and I think this year... Maybe more than any other recent year, I think Commodity
2: Classic played an important role in that regard. You know, I think you're exactly right. And while we were there in particular, Commodity Classic this year happened during that huge break we had in the markets two weeks ago. And at least these growers were amongst friends to commiserate as prices were dropping as this coronavirus outbreak was spreading and spooking the markets. Max, coronavirus, Mm. you deal with the news. Mm. You've been reporting news for, I won't say how long, a minute or two. And... This seems to be a unique situation from my perspective. Granted, I'm still fairly new to all of this. Well, what's your take on this coronavirus thing? Is it something we should be terribly worried about? Uh, How is the I media handling it versus uh, other things you've there's seen? There's one phrase that comes to mind.
1: I was on a program a few years ago with John Stossel, longtime network correspondent, uh, a science-based writing and broadcasting and the phrase that he used and i have clinged to it many times through the years show me the bodies Oh, (laughs) show me the bodies i want to see the body count and and when you look and i don't mean to minimize the flu right because we have flu every year absolutely uh i i and I, i recognize that for elderly and those who are compromised in their health in one way or another there is that concern. There should be every year during the flu season. But for young, healthy individuals, if you look over the body count, look at the numbers, look at the fatalities, look at the deaths that have been caused by the coronavirus, it's hard to get too excited about it yet I, in my way of looking at things. Traffic fatalities worry me far more. I, as I drive down the road and watch people drift across the stripe, I think my chances are far, far better of getting killed on the interstate than they are of being Harmed by coronavirus.
2: And you can text and have coronavirus. You shouldn't be texting and driving, <laughs> Max Armstrong. That's another virus you've got. <laughs> it it is. It is. So it's one of those things where I think I'm in the same page as you, on the same page. I'm concerned about it. You know, I work with a with a number as well as you do, especially in agriculture. We do have a number of, of elderly participants in our industry. It it could be devastating if this thing were to enter, you know, the, the world in which we inhabit. But at the same time, boy, it seems like a lot of the precautions we're taking look a little bit like overkill from from the outside looking in at least from my perspective colleges canceling classes for a month and nba is suspending the season and ncba playing without uh, without fans it's going to be an interesting spring i think is what we're setting up for
1: i think you know one thing it's done it's it's heightened our awareness of the need to wash our hands and and to uh, practice good hygiene what did your mother teach you all of those years ago Wash your
2: hands. That's right. and uh, you Don't know, cough on your neighbor. Wash right. your hands. The best practices of preschool, still applicable today.
1: There's still going to be people sneezing on you. That that happens. I, you know, I just, I, for some reason, some people can't control their sneezes.
2: That's true. You, you somehow can't get their hand up there in time to really block it.
1: <laughs> we worked with a guy at one time who had the most profound projectile sneeze you can imagine i mean you just knew that everything in the room got sprayed every time he sneezed and and there'll be those people on planes and you just wince sometimes i will admit that i have i have started passing up that on flight beverage or the packet of pretzels which i probably should every flu season but i get a flu shot there you, you know, go. Th- that's what they recommend. My physician recommends I do it, so I have every year, and I I feel like it uh, it protects me if I have some kind of uh, of an illness. I think it makes it a little bit uh, easier to tolerate. I don't think my flu is as severe as severe if I get it. So
2: sure, yeah, it's going <sighs> to be interesting. Worst case, you know, I guess. Uh, Who wants to uh, anticipate the worst case? But economically speaking, it seems like we're going to cut rates again. It seems like we're going to get some some more fiscal stimulus, which the markets, I imagine, one of these days are going to recognize as a positive. So I think we'll get through this thing one way or another. I
1: think the rebound is going to be pretty significant when it does take place, especially in the equity markets. And, you know, as you look at our livestock And meat exports, they've been strong, haven't they? They
2: have been strong. So there are some real opportunities, it looks like, as we get through this thing, as we start to see either a cure or a vaccine or greater control measures come into place, you know, we've talked a lot about China, Max. They are going to have to start buying pork. And that would have maybe averted this whole thing if they bought U.S. pork rather than Well, they already snakes have been. Oh,
1: they, haven't the uh, exports of pork been up substantially from a year ago already?
2: They have been. Max, and I'm doing the interview here. So oh. you gotta, you've got got to chill back out now. Come on. You're on my show now. This is a, oh, this is a change of pace. I'd like you to switch back in to the interviewer mode. So, but no, you're exactly right, Max. But why don't you tell us, have pork I- I- exports to China been up over the past several months? Well, as you know, absolutely, Mike. I think I think
1: we've seen, uh, compared to a year ago, uh, pork exports up about 30% overall for the United States.
2: Which is a win. <laughs> we just need to see it continue. Japan, of
1: course, hasn't been up quite as much. But uh, by the beginning of April, I think those tariffs are coming off and uh, with the new trade agreement with Japan. And those
2: exports should be up as well. Now, let's... Move back into the other mode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Max, farmers excited about getting back out there. We've got crop insurance, yeah. uh, spring price set. We've got uh, the fields getting harvested. As you look around, well, the and we saw
1: soybeans being planted a few days ago in central Illinois. Beans were going in. Yes, on this week in agribusiness, the story about uh, Jacob Wade putting in soybeans. And I reached out to a couple of farmer friends, and they said, absolutely, as soon as we get the opportunity, we're going to put in beans. Early planting of soybeans paid off for them handsomely in 2019. Wow. One northern Illinois farmer near DeKalb, Illinois, said, yeah, he had uh, 75 to 80 bushel beans, and he was sure it was because he put them in early. Put them in early March. Well, it wasn't early March. I think his went in last year. Uh, last week of March or the beginning of April. Okay. But but this, this farmer in central Illinois, Jacob Wade, who shared the comments with us on our show, said he wanted to press that envelope a little bit just to see what happened.
2: Jeez. That's pretty incredible. So Max, as you look ahead. You look ahead, so you've got This Week in Agribusiness. Before we before we go, what, how can our listeners catch This Week in Agribusiness if they're not already watching?
1: Sure. Uh, local television stations all over the United States, check your local listings. I think we have about 130 local stations. We air four times a weekend on RFD-TV. Uh, one of those is 7 a.m. Saturday morning. That's the first one. 7 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Central on Sunday morning. We air also later on on Sunday night and then Monday morning as well. And if you go to the website farmfutures.com. You can click right there. There's a Max Armstrong box and you can watch the show online too.
2: Yes, you can. It's a fantastic place to watch it. And Max, you are also the guy, the Meekum. gone farming tractor oh. auctions guy another auction coming up right we have
1: one, we have one coming up at the end of the month that's right at uh, davenport iowa and uh, there's some neat stuff they're now bringing trucks in old trucks Ooh,
2: any internationals are you, i know you're a red tractor guy are you an
1: international truck guy i that's am as a matter of fact yeah there is an international um and there's an old chevy pickup
2: Ooh, i love these those are, old these Chevys.
1: Are late 40s early 50s oh, old 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 yeah now, now they're not always finally restored the ih truck uh, had the patina
2: with it, which, which some people like as I, well. You know? I'm in that camp. I, I'd, I'd love to see it an original in its original work clothes out there, but that's because I buy cheap stuff, Max. That's kind of how I <laughs> – I can only afford stuff that's still original. <laughs> so you're a red tractor guy, international truck guy. Any super cool tractors at that sale you've seen so far? we still just kind of rolling out uh, the, the w- inventory? W-
1: one of the tractors that's going to be there will be one of those bicentennial – J.I. Case tractors, 1570s they were, I, and they only painted up about 200 of Is this them. Is the Stars and Stripes painting? Yes, yes. This was in 1976 to celebrate the Bicentennial of the United yeah. States. They painted up 200. And, uh, you know, some of them are still out there in their original paint. Some have been restored, and uh, there's one of those that's going to be selling on the auction. Then there are collections that sell, too. Sometimes they'll bring a person's whole collection in. When they decide it's time for a herd dispersal, and you you meet some of the most interesting people at those. I met John Deere's great 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 grandson
2: there. No kidding. Yeah, he was selling or buying green he, tractors, I assume. Uh no,
1: a Noah buddy brought him. Okay. And as it turned out, he had never really, you know, been a part of the tractor company. His dad ran John Deere. Oh wow, at one time. But he hadn't been a part of the company chose himself. A path. He, he, he chose a path in real estate. Interesting. But he grew up in the company. Grew up around the headquarters and and Amazing. he was there just to see the auction and a mutual friend introduced me so we we did an interview talking about uh, the John Deere lineage and the heritage and he, his his face lit up and he got to talking about how his father took John Deere worldwide but his mother was the driving force
2: behind every great yeah. man is a powerful woman and, and
1: he almost got emotional talking about
2: that wow It's incredible. Well, Max, I think we will have to have you back on after the Mecham auction to get caught up on some of the stories you have heard over there in Davenport. In the meantime, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you, sir. It's a privilege for me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's always fun to catch up with Mr. Armstrong. I'm jealous that uh, I wasn't part of that conversation, Mike, but it sounds like you guys had a great discussion.
2: Well, Delaney, I tell you, one of these Thursdays, just make a trip over and we'll uh, we'll go shoot the show together.
0: That'd be fun. I'd love that.
2: Listeners, in the meantime, if you want to catch up on the stuff that Delaney and I do together, you can check up on it at our website, agnewsdaily.com. And, of course, interact with us on social media. Visit us on the web, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at agnewsdaily. With that, Delaney, should we let the listeners go?
0: Let's let them go.